welcome Siobhan to the uh, Well Good Chat. It's great to have you here and I'm so pleased you've given us some of your precious time. Um, I've actually changed the first question after my last chat with uh, David Smith that I did, um, who basically said, actually we are more than just our job. So mm-hmm. I've changed the question to, hi, who is Siobhan Dillon? Oh wow, who is Siobhan? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a lot deeper question. <laughs> Siobhan Dillon is a manifesting generator. For those people who know what that means, it means I'm a bit of a magpie for shiny things and I'm attracted to a lot of things. I I guess the be all and end all is that I'm creative, I want to help and be of service. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably about it. I'm also a mother. Um, Amazing. Uh, yeah, mother, creator, helper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And with regards to those roles, in the past over your kind of life journey, have you always been what you describe yourself as or has it changed over kind of the course of your life journey so far? Well, I mean, I've only been a mum for the last 19 months, which I am just in love with being a mum. I absolutely love it. Beautiful. Yeah, but um, the other bits and pieces, I've always been a creator. I've always been scattered I've always had a different <laughs> thing that I want to do every day I, I wake up feeling differently about lots of things on a I mean an hourly basis sometimes wow. not just a daily basis wow um but the thing that always grounds me is sort of you know if it's making me feel happy that's wonderful if it's making me and other people feel happy that's even better Amazing. and I think I've always had that feeling yes yes in my whole life so yeah going through all the theatre that I did I was um, I was always very conscious of I don't know how everyone else was feeling as well. Oh. Same with my family, yes. any workplace. It's just the way it was for me. Yeah, and the type of person that, that you were, and that creative side that you said you mentioned in theatre. What else, creative wise, are kind of your passions? Well, it's really interesting actually. Um, I started after school at um, fashion college. I went oh, to wow. London College of Fashion. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, so I got my A-levels and then decided that I wanted to go and, you know, my careers advisor thought I'd gone mad. <laughs> I went into his office <laughs> towards the end of, I think it was year 11 maybe, and, um, and he said, right, I've got all these prospectuses all, you know, for um, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and, you know, Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, what about the London College of Fashion? And he went, do they do singing, <laughs> acting at the College of Fashion? I was like, no, I want to make handbags. Wow. Okay. Wow. So he was like, do you know what, can you come back in a, in a week or two and I'll, I'll get some, some more information for you. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I don't necessarily know whether I was whether I was just sort of punch drunk from doing so much performing as a kid. Because yes. I did it all at school. Um, and I did a, um, you know, the youth theatre, right. the Literal Operatic Society, oh, wow. and all the after-school clubs and things. Yes, yes. I was just singing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it got to a point where actually being in the art room, um, our head of art at the time was Mrs. Crudgington, who's, who's actually my one of my best friend's mums. Oh, wow. And um, she was wonderful. And she basically just said, said to any student, the art room is open whenever you want it. Yeah. So I would just go in there. It's like my little sanctuary. Um, certainly in the last like couple of years of school, and just draw and paint and wow. make stuff. And wow. I just, I, I don't know, I thought this is my happy place. I thought if I can go to university and actually do something with this, yes. that would be amazing. Yes. Um, so that's why I chose to do it. But what was really interesting is that throughout my 20s, and even still into my 30s, it feels like the universe keeps kicking me back to doing <laughs> performing. Like, yeah. I start designing, and then the universe is like, this is great, but what about? And then yeah. dangle the singing <laughs> yeah. carrot, and I'm like, oh, I can do that show. And, yeah. you know, it's really weird how that always happens. And I spoke to you before we started recording um, about my uh, teacher, my meditation yes. teacher, yeah. Chandresh. Um, and he, on his, his podcast, which is brilliant, um, and it's called Leela Gurukul um, Podcast. I need to check that out. It's wonderful. Um one of the ones he speaks about um, Dharma um, and about, you know, what is it that you're supposed to do in this lifetime? And he said, some people get these big, um, I mean, I'm, I don't, this is probably, this is not how he said it. Right. This is like my interpretation of what yeah, he said, yeah. so please don't quote me on this. But he's basically, the gist of it that I took from it was, some people think that their, their Dharma or their sort of mission in life, what they're here, what they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing in this lifetime is, you know, 
like being a spiritual guru or being, you know, the next Madonna or whatever. And he was like, but the point really is that it's a gift that you're given and it could be something as simple as being an amazing accountant. Yes. And by yeah. you fulfilling that dharma in this lifetime, it might not mean that you feel really extravagant and like centre of attention, but it does mean that you're going to be helping so many people with being Definitely. a phenomenal accountant. Definitely. And actually it's what you're good at too. Yes. That's yeah. the whole point. I mean, yes. I guess, you know, the creator, God, whatever anyone believes in, I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it's up to interpretation, isn't it? Yes. Energy. The, they, they, it. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah I, 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 say, I do, yeah. I don't think, I think it'd be kind of unfair to give you something like accountancy as your dharma and then make you really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. The point is, like, you're going to be drawn to do the thing that you're naturally really good at, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I went, <laughs> I went away from that podcast thinking, oh, so I keep, kicking the universe in the teeth basically I mean like I don't want to sing like yeah. throw my toys out of the cop you know yeah. like I want to do designing um, and I keep oscillating back and forth and back and forth and it's like the moment you know I got into fashion college and I got a couple of years into my degree then the reality TV show came up and I ended up singing um, at the record deal <clears throat> that's a whole other thing yeah. and then went back again um, into musical theatre yeah. and then and then from there I started my own um, handbag design like company I guess although I wasn't like limited company or anything like that yes, but I basically yeah. started renting space in a workshop to create handbags which is what I was doing at university right. and I really missed it yeah but what I was doing was eight shows a week on stage and then in the daytime I'd try and get to the wow. studio to make handbags and I really wow. I, I work a bit too much too, yes. too hard yeah. um because I was so passionate about all these creative things yes, and yeah. you know that's not to mention a little bit of modeling that I did and a little bit of writing like yeah. songwriting and actual you know script writing and all these different bits and pieces that I had going on all the time I, I'd wake up in the morning and be like what do I do today <laughs> you know it was never, there was never a dull moment yeah um but I did that constantly and then a lot of interior designing as well in my late 20s wow. Did a couple of nice restaurants in London Great. and loved it and I, I feel really passionately about design yeah um but then again, it was like another musical came about Miss Saigon that time. Wow. Did you want to Oh yeah, I go back to Miss Saigon. You know, I said um, I worked for a branding company before I did that. I mean, there's all these things. I just I'm scattered. Yes. Basically, yeah. in a yeah. manifesting generator kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as if anyone knows human design, have a little look. A lot of us are manifesting generators. It basically means that you know, if something makes you feel unsatisfied it's generally not going to be the good thing the right thing for you but yeah. satisfaction is the key so if you feel satisfaction in things that you do around you know in your daily life yeah then it means that you're on the right track basically yeah. but it's perfectly natural to feel satisfaction from one thing one day and another thing another day and yes. things always change and it's yes. such a difficult thing to um to what's the word like accept I think yes, yeah. and I think it's difficult for society to accept sometimes as well or if it's not then it's my projection of what society thinks of me yes, I yeah. feel like I, I, I'm sort of not allowed to want to be an interior designer and also want to teach meditation yes, and yeah. also want to you know run retreats yes. and experiences for people um, you know that I have to just be a singer yeah, and I just yes. have to be a performer, and yeah. you know I, I don't like I don't like it, but I put myself in that box really. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't like actually hold yourself. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's what people want. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I think if you've got the ability to have that flexibility, I think is is wonderful. I think in society, you kind of I suppose are conditioned and programmed to you leave school, you either go to university or college, you get a job, mm. and I think times have changed in the sense I think years ago people then did a job and they were there for 20, 30, 40 years or for their, yeah. their lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think now there is a more acceptance that people can pick a job. They can go, actually, at this moment in time now, this isn't right for me, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. But I think in the past, if you could see it on the CV that, oh, they've moved quite yeah. a, a few times, it was seen as a negative. Yeah. And I think as growing up as well, you can be made to feel, um, I remember like at school, it was like, you've got to make these decisions on what you want to do, and then you're, you're kind of stuck with it. And now, to go back into a school to say, actually, it's okay if you change your mind. Yeah. It's okay if you kind of pick your options and then you decide that you want to go to college and do something different. That's okay, because I think that also, the pressure that can put on you and the thought that then if you don't do what your teachers told you, yeah, I think it leads to this fear of that you failed what your teachers yeah. have said and, and 
again going through life if nobody's saying actually that's wrong or you, sh you shouldn't kind of feel like that you actually it's okay to change your mind absolutely I think that's a, an important part as well oh it's so important I just you know the amount of people I know who are in the nine to fives and they just live for the weekend because yes, they're just yeah. not getting any satisfaction from the job that they're doing yes um and I I think I figured out at a pretty young age that I was never going to be the kind of person that would do one thing for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty evident from <laughs> from the off. Like I've just described to you, yes. the first couple of years yeah. of my life, I just went back and forth and back and forth and around the houses. And, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. And I do, I do think it's really important to check in every now and again. Like, Definitely. how am I feeling? Like, how is my mental health around Definitely. this? I mean, it's not just about, you know, what you're um what you're working on it's not just about whether or not you know you're enjoying being the illustrator that you are or being the newsreader that you are um or the accountant that you yeah. are it's not about that it's about sort of you know the quality of life it's about the people that you're working with it's about i don't know like do you have time to do the things that really light you up yes. if you're a person that hasn't quite found exactly what it is that really lights you up yet, yeah. that's okay. As long yeah. as you keep moving forwards and keep doing the things that you really love in your downtime, yeah. I think that's where things get um, unfortunately messy is when people start getting really down about things because they're not giving themselves enough time, they're not yes. giving themselves yes. time to flourish outside of how they make their money. Because, yes. you know, yeah. not... And we can't all make money doing things we love. I know I'm not yeah. right now. <laughs> you know, it's very it's very difficult to try to align the two. But, yes. but I think with perseverance it can happen. And I yeah. think with the right sort of mindset as well. Um, but it's never too late either. And I think that's that's another thing that I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I can't now because, you know, I'm in my, what, 30s or whatever. And I can't change careers now because it's sort of too late. And you yeah. think to yourself, well... It's not really, Actually, is it? No. It's never too late. No, definitely. Because every five years' time, you'll look back and say, I remember that time five yeah. years ago yeah. when I was going to retrain yeah. and I didn't. Yeah. I'd have done it by now. Yeah. I'd be trained by now exactly. and I'd be a job I love by now. Exactly. But it's very difficult to think like that, to think yes. so far ahead, especially you know, when you've been, when it's been drilled into you. It's like, pick a job and do that job yeah. and just you know, go the whole hog. Yeah, and if you then have children, you've got the pressures of cost of living crisis or things like that I think that can then play a part but by actually going okay we can cut back we can if, if something really is kind of where you feel your time should be spent and your passion yeah you can make it work speaking to people I find that you actually have more time than you think I think it's just making the time and utilising it to the best of your ability. I'll tell you one thing, I never knew how much time I had until I had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that definitely What did I yes. do with all that time? <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one, definitely. Especially when you've got really young children because they kind of really need so much of your, your time. You've yeah. got to have your eyes literally in the back of your oh, head. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. Um, so when, because obviously you're talking about such great experiences that you've had and how you've done so many different things and go back to different things that you've enjoyed over the course of your I suppose life journey so far would you say that you've had challenging times have has it been quite easy to do that kind of go from one thing to the other or have you really had some challenging times where you thought I really need to kind of think about what I want to do because this is a real challenge for me. Yeah, and it always comes down to, you know, to money, unfortunately. It yes. comes down to like can I can I afford to turn that job down? Yes. Um there have been some really, really challenging times. Um but what's interesting is that for the first sort of chunk of my life, everything felt very um wasn't easy. But it was in flow. I had challenges, but I was happy to have the challenges yes. because I was doing things that challenged me in a positive, a sort of uplifting and very beneficial way. And I could see that it was beneficial. Yes. You know, um, I'm just trying to think of an example, but I can't offhand, obviously. But just, you know, just just life stuff cropped yes. up. But I was like, yes. it's okay, because I was yeah. in a good headspace yes. and I was positive about what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. So it was fine. Um, one really interesting thing that happened though, I got to the, um, would have been 2006, yes. I did the reality TV show with the BBC yes. um, and I came third in that TV show and then um, was offered a record deal and I yes. thought that was like, 
that was it. Yeah. I'd made it. Yeah. I was like just 22 wow. when I think that when the show finished. Yeah. And Andrew Lloyd Webber said on live TV, wow. there's a record company that want to, you know, want to give you a record deal. And I was like, wow. that's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and a producer said to me, you know, getting a record deal is, it's not winning the lottery. It's just buying a lottery ticket. Right. And I thought, Nah, you're just jaded. You're just, you're just a, an old guy in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, he couldn't have been more right, but it took me a long time to figure that out. Wow. I did feel railroaded. I felt like pe people were telling me, on one hand, make sure it's all your decision, and make sure that you know the things that you're, um, the opportunities that you're getting. Make sure that you know you put your stamp on it. Make sure that you're happy with it. And then on the other hand. I, it felt very manufactured. It didn't right. feel very me, yes. even though I was co-writing the songs and whatnot. I mean, I think a lot of people have that experience right. with um, big record companies. Um, so I, I sort of went into a bit of a, oh, it was like I'd been running and running and running in a really good oh, way. And yes. then suddenly I hit this massive brick wall, this like huge reality check. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, so I left... Uh, fashion college and at that point I had no interest to go back either because I was pretty much at the end of my course anyway yeah I completed bits and pieces and I thought you know I, I know what that entails and I can pick that up if I want to later down the line I still want to now continue with the performing because I'd enjoyed the reality yes. show so much <clears throat> but now I think I know what it is it's because I enjoy these sorts of conversations yes. I enjoy like having I don't know it was like it was the human element within the reality tv show that I really enjoyed oh. about you know to meeting new people talking about what lights me up, talking yes. about what lights other people up, talking yes. about how we get to where we get to in our craft, yes. about the singing and the acting, and everything was new, and obviously I've come from a, a fashion college, yeah. not a performing <laughs> arts college, so I was like, this is all amazing and sparkly and yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, like there was a moment after the show where I thought, I want to go and do, do radio, because I really enjoy just talking to people. Yes. Anyway, that's another story entirely. <laughs> but the point is, I left that experience with the record company I was dropped. Um, actually, oh. the same weekend that my boyfriend dumped me at the time, which no. was really bad luck. Oh, yeah, it was a no. really, really, really bad weekend. No, that's <laughs> not a good weekend. No, I know. Oh, um, gosh. But that doesn't matter, really. It's all character. Oh, I was going to say. It's, it's all worked out at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I called David Ian, who had been a judge on the reality TV show, who was yeah. a West End producer, and I said, I know you're doing Grease. I know that it was an ITV reality TV show at that point. Yeah. And they're casting Danny and Sandy. I was like, you're doing... Uh, Greece in the West End, right? And he was like, I sure am. And I was like, can I audition for that show? And he was like, yeah. So Brilliant. I did, and I, I covered Sandy. I played Patty Simcox Brilliant. for a year. But what was really interesting is that, again, my life was like, it felt like I was wading through treacle. It was so hard. Oh, Nothing God. about it felt nice. And this is what brings me back to my point about the job that you're in, but also the people that you're with. Yes. Because I do not, for the most part, I don't blame the rest of the company for... Yes the way that they felt about my journey to where I was in that moment. Yes. Because, as I say, I came from fashion college into a reality TV show, yes. and then I was on a West End stage, yes. like, within a year. Yes. Wow. You know, so they're all there with their student debts and their yes. three to five years of training and the hard work and the rejection and yes. all that stuff. Yeah. And they're, they've made it. I mean, they've really made it. Yes. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to step onto the stage and run with this. Yes. Now, I, there is never a bone in my body that wants anyone to dislike me. Is there a bone in anyone's body that wants, right? So I wasn't deliberately trying to be a pain in the bum. Yeah. I was just finding my way and working out what this whole industry was. I mean, yes. there was a moment where I was in the dressing room with a beautiful, beautiful girl that I was um, on stage with. She was wonderful. Um, and she put her full face of makeup on and she was ready. And those of you who are listening who have been in the musical theatre industry or know about what happens backstage, you get the half hour call, you get your 15 minute call, you get your five minute call, then you get beginners. It works its way from oh the half gosh. an hour to the moment you step on stage. Yes. And normally by the quarter, 15 minute call, um, you literally have 15 minutes before the curtain goes up. So right. at that point, people are like, okay, I'm pretty much ready to get in, get in, yeah. get in dressed and makeup and everything. Yeah. Whereas... I was still trying to figure out how to put false eyelashes on. Like, oh, oh, no. oh no! And and having had that sort of experience on the reality TV show, 
my only experience really in professional performance, I was in a makeup chair and the makeup was done for yes. me. Yeah. And although I understood that when I got into you know a West End job, I would have to do that myself, I was like, how hard can it be? Actually, yeah. it's very difficult. Yeah. The first couple of weeks, I was in a mess, and I used to oh, run downstairs and be like, this is your act one beginner's call, oh, and everyone no. else is walking down from the dressing room down to the stage, and I'm still trying to get my tights on, oh, and like, no. it was it was manic. It oh, was pleasure. it was hard. But that, that's just one example of one of the many learning curves that I encountered, um, yes. jumping straight into professional musical theatre when I hadn't had any training, yeah. um, or understanding of what everyone else around me had gone through before yes. that point. Yes. So again, it's like naivety, which helped me in some ways. You know, I was the girl that played um, Sandy, Susan. She had been away for a little bit. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I, think she, I think it may have been an illness, but it was right at the beginning of the contract. So I was covering Sandy, but because it was right at the beginning of the contract, we hadn't really had any rehearsals no. all the way through the show yet. So I'd been learning the Sandy lines and the songs and everything, but just like, you know, they'd sort of grab me and sing, sing through yes. a song and I'd go back to carry on with my track, with my yes. role. Yeah. Um, so the show opened within a week or two, feel like it may, maybe it was three weeks it might have been a month I don't know yeah. but I hadn't had a rehearsal yet anyway so I went on to play Sandy and wow. it seemed like everyone else around me was more scared than I was yeah and like I say sometimes the naivety really helped really me helps, yeah I mean I stood up on that stage about to sing the opening line and uh, during the overture there's a uh, there's a like a little announcement front of house that says you know this afternoon's performance the role of Sandy we played by Siobhan Dillon and everyone in the auditorium, which I was not expecting, started booing because no. well, because Susan McFadden had just won a TV show and everyone was really excited to see her. Naturally, that's why they do the reality TV shows, to bring people to watch the show, right? So Susan wasn't very well. I went on for my first oh, that's show. awful. But I wasn't expecting it, so I was standing up ready. And in some oh. ways, I'm glad that I was standing up on stage ready to perform rather than standing like in, like, in my dressing room yeah. or in the wings or something. Yeah. So I'm there on the platform. That is awful. Yeah, it was really, really hard. That and is really, awful. But only in hindsight. At the time, I was yeah. like, I don't care. Get on good with it. For, I was going to say, good for you. Good but for you. It wasn't, an, it wasn't a decision. That was just the way that I was. And I think, wow. again, that, that also rubbed people the wrong way because I was very like, oh, this is fine, everything's okay. And people were like, you're not taking it seriously. And I was like, actually, I really am. I'm just really yes. enjoying myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were, you know, there are a few people there who will, who I will always hold like so dearly in my heart. Like there are a couple people in the company who were just really, really, really great, wholesome, professional, understanding people. Yes. But for the most part, the company was a young company straight out of college. Again, people who yeah. trained and paid a lot of money to be there and spent, you know, blood, sweat, blood, sweat and tears and all the rest of it. Yeah. So that was a really challenging experience. Yes, yeah. Um, and I was in a really dark place after that. Because um, then how long did you do that period for? That was a year. A year, okay. Yeah, and it was the Christmas. We opened in, I think, the September, and that Christmas I was in a really, really dark place. Oh, bless you. Um, but it's so funny, isn't it, because you're going into work my character, Patty Simcox, was like, oh, I like it. You know, she's yeah. like, almost leaving yeah. me yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that did that too, and that made me feel like, oh. <laughs> But it's a lot. Yes. Eight shows a week, it's all consuming. And oh, I used to wake gosh. up in the middle of the night doing the hand jive because I couldn't, oh, I couldn't remember this. You know, it was like trying to get it drilled into yeah. my system. Yeah. God, that was, that was, yeah, that was one of them. I was going to say, and then I suppose, so would you have been, if you did that, was it 22, did you say that you went to the reality show? Um, I would have came out. Yeah, I left in 22 years old, yeah. And then would it have been like 23 that you found yourself, you'd say, in, in that dark place yeah. after coming out? So then how did you then get out of that and then obviously then continue your journey in a, in, a, in a better frame of mind, should I say? I think, and I hate to say this, the universe was sending me little nudges for yoga and meditation right. and I would dabble a little bit and then kind of get bored with the lack of progress or yeah. lack of focus. Yeah. Um, there were, I think, the, the overriding problem in that time in my life was that I, was, I had been so used to things going so well so easily that it was sort of like this expectation that this wouldn't last long, it'll just all be over and then I'll just carry on you know, doing something yes. that makes me happy again. Yes. But that actually didn't happen for quite a long time. In fact, I feel like the beginning of my 30s. Yes. And planetarily, there's a reason for that. There was a huge, big, dark 
period of my life which was just hard growth, you know, like crushing growth. Oh, right. Through the majority of my 20s. Oh, gosh. Um, so it was really, really challenging. Yes. And I think I was just pushing. Although now I know if I had that again, I mean, yes. it's that age old thing, isn't it? Old head, young shoulders. Yeah. If I'd had, that, had my time again, I would have embraced the yoga and the meditation and letting go and sitting back yes. and going on that, you know, the ride of life rather than trying to sort of fight against yes. it. Yeah. And that, I think, I mean, for me, that was the, the biggest, um, like, it was like an ongoing hurdle is trying to fight against what was happening in my life. Yes. So as opposed to just embracing the fact that I kept finding myself in these amazing roles on stage, I was still not satisfied and I wanted to, you know, make more money, um, I don't know, be more, not necessarily famous because I didn't really enjoy the little bit of fame that I experienced in the reality show. In fact, when we realised at that point that there was this weird contradiction in my mind, I wanted to be a successful performer, but I didn't want to be famous. So I was like, how do I do that without doing yeah. the gorillas and, you know, being an animation on yeah, the screen? Like, how do you, you know, or Daft Punk, they did it too, didn't they? They all yes. wore helmets. Like, that was the dream. Yeah. In fact, side note, Lucy Silvers is the most beautiful singer, and she's not that well known in England. She certainly wasn't in the early 2000s when I used to, like, obsess over her music. <laughs> but she was huge in Holland. Right. And she was a superstar, like Madonna yes. in Holland. Um, and I was like, that's the perfect situation. So yes. you can go abroad, make yes. money, sell records, sing, whatever, yeah. and then come back to England and just hang out and yes. no one knows who you are. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I still feel a bit like that now. Oh, yeah. Um, and now I've completely <laughs> lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where was I? Where was I going with that? Um, I just didn't want to be... I didn't want... I shouldn't have pushed. I shouldn't have forced things to happen. I should have really... And I hate the should have, but it's not healthy either. <laughs> but for the sake of the podcast... Yeah. There wasn't enough of me going, wait a minute, let's count my chickens. Yeah. Rather than like what I'm wishing to happen. Yes. Like I was playing, you know, Molly Jensen in Ghost, which this might lead me to the next point, um, made me ill ultimately. Oh, right. But the part was beautiful. I mean, it's like one of those roles. It, I'm, I'm astonished that it hasn't continued to run in the West End because, I mean, I went to see it and I was just in floods of tears oh. and it was so cathartic and, and so beautiful and yes. um, uh, Casey Levy who played the lead and yeah. um, Richard Fleishman and the original company were just just astonishing so I went to see that and then I had the opportunity to audition wow. for the role and I was like yes 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 brilliant yes, yes. Um, and I but I didn't really like I didn't really feel on a like a visceral level, I didn't feel the gratitude for where I was. Right. I was still thinking, yeah, there's like, there's this beautiful job here, but what about that? And what oh, about this? Right. And what yeah. about attaining that? I mean, yeah. I lived in Soho during that time yeah. because I'd always wanted to live in the centre of town. Yes. And it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. I yeah. sort of wish I was living in like Richmond Park, really, like, or any park, yes. somewhere with a bit of green. <laughs> I mean, I hear people emptying bins at 5 a.m. I mean, it was oh, not like. Yeah. Sure, on the occasional sunny, you know, afternoon, I'd like wander home from the theatre and like grab a coffee, and it yes. was all very sex in the city yeah. in London. It was really cool, <laughs> or Notting Hill, maybe. Yeah. But that that was that. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Gonna be. And there yeah. was a lot of that. Yeah. And like, it's just extraordinary to me to look back and go, "What did you have though? <laughs> you were playing the lead in a West End show, yeah. having a brilliant time when you were actually in the in role, the like on yeah. stage." And yet, I didn't really ever appreciate it, and that you know that's okay because that's my that's, your, yeah. that's my journey. Yeah. Um, but that kind of leads me to the the next challenge. I don't know how many questions we've got here. I was, was going to say, take, I, was gonna, I don't know how long we've um, half an hour. I think we've got a, a, probably fifteen minutes. If that's okay, if you're okay. Oh yeah. Chatted. Honestly, you're regretting that. <laughs> I'll talk until the cows come home. But yeah, the next thing it's time for an ad break. Yeah. The next, the next <laughs> yeah. thing is is women is breast cancer. Oh no. Yeah, so that happened like in two thousand and fifteen. So the weird thing is, I knew I had breast cancer before no. I knew I had breast cancer. Yeah. So, but I and I and I think I don't know whether it, it was the role that I was playing previously or whether it was just cumulatively my state of mind and yes. the fact that I was running myself around yeah. I mean at one point I, was, I went back to into uh, Greece and I played Sandy full time eight shows a week 
and I was also going boxing three mornings every week as well, yeah. like circuit training boxing, you know, like you in know, a rough like, knotting yeah. with a load of men, yeah. that kind of boxing. Oh, so I was like working, working physically and mentally. Yeah. And actually, I think that was around about the time I was also doing the handbag designing as well. Oh, so I had all these things going on because yeah. I felt untouchable. Yeah. Like everything felt so easy, but in a very like high intensity like manner of mind and body yeah, yeah it was just yeah it's full on I just I wanted to be skinny well actually I didn't I wanted to be strong that yes. was like my whole mantra it was like strong is the new skinny yeah I wanted to be strong and powerful and like confident and successful and all these things yeah. so masculine like when I look back and I think about the divine feminine that is tantra meditation is all about the divine feminine and I was so in my masculine in my 20s no wonder I got breast cancer yeah. like it just goes against what mother nature is intended like for me I mean yeah. everyone is different obviously yeah. have, everyone has a little bit of a masculine a little bit yeah. of feminine yeah. but I was just like hammering home the masculine wow and how old were you when you got it I was I was 30 yeah. But I knew that I had it when I was 29. So I basically, I was shopping and I picked up some broccoli and I was like, oh, I need to get a mammogram. And, wow. and the weirdest thing was, right, so I didn't, I had no signs or anything. And I remember I had a basket, it was in Bermondsey and I think it was like the local Tesco's or something. And I carried on shopping and I got to the cash register and I couldn't get this feeling out of my mind. Like I needed to get a mammogram. Oh my God. And so I, got, I went home and I thought, Put the shopping away and I got my laptop and I was like, How much is a mammogram? Yeah, um, no, I said, No, actually, I searched a mammogram NHS. Well, first of all, you have to have found a lump, yeah, you have to have um, an ultrasound, and then maybe a, a, a mammogram. And then at that point, you probably end up having a biopsy, yeah. if you know, blah blah blah. And you read all that stuff, and I'm like, Oh god, well, I'll be fine. It just seemed like too much, and a mammogram privately was so expensive I was yes. like wait I'm, at this point I was 29 I was like this is ridiculous of course I haven't got breast cancer that's absurd so I just carried on um, wow. and then a couple of months later I was rehearsing for Miss Saigon um, I was playing Ellen which was another one of these beautiful roles that I didn't really understand just how amazing it was until I finished the job yes. yeah. um, and I, we'd opened that night my agent um, had come to see the show and we were sitting talking in the in the bar afterwards and he was like, you know, great show, you're having a good time, how's everything going? I was like, it's fine, I have this really weird feeling I've got breast cancer, ha 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 ha, you know, and he went, what? Why would you say that? I was yeah. like, I don't know, I just have this really weird, I don't know, I just keep getting this feeling. He was like, well, have you self-examined? Like, you know, I was like, no. He said, go home now. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> he sent me home, uh, I went I went home. The next morning I had a shower and I, and, and it was at that point that I felt it. Wow. And it was so weird because I felt it and I was like, oh, wow, if this is breast cancer, I am so psychic. <laughs> and it was, oh it was like a little, a little frozen pea. No. Yeah, it was mad. Anyway, the NHS, I have to say, were absolute heroes. I literally went in and it was like, the next day I had an appointment and then wow. in three days I had the um, ultrasound and then the biopsy literally the day after and then the results were there a week after that and then the lumpectomy. I mean it was like bang bang. They were yes. amazing. Yeah, yes. So yeah. did you need to kind of, were they able to just take it out and did you need to go through chemo or radiotherapy? I did radiotherapy. There was a bit of a, there were some people wanted me to go through chemo yeah. and others didn't like yeah. in the profession it wasn't yes. just you know family and friends it was like people that I, the doctors i was speaking to yeah i spoke to a professor who said look if we can get you on some kind of like endocrine therapy you know hormone treatment yeah um for a couple of years just to make sure that it stays away yeah that there's no more estrogen being produced in your body because yeah. it was all estrogen that was right. everything okay. um uh yeah all, all the bad stuff um wow. so i did that i did radiotherapy and then um, this hormone treatment. But the thing is about hormone treatment is that it basically switches off your ovaries because you don't want to produce any of that um, hormone. Right. It puts them into hibernation. Yeah. So you're sort of feeling like a 30 year old and yet having like hot flashes. Um, I mean, I don't want to go 
I can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> um, but there's all basically it's like the menopause. menopause. Yeah, yeah, so symptoms that you'd experience. Yeah. So like the hair falls out and you get yeah. panic attacks and like anxiety and things like that. And at one point, I actually did have a heart monitor fitted, like wow. all these little like things for a yeah. twenty-four hour period, so they could monitor my heart because I was getting these weird, weird panic attacks. Like my heart was like jumping out of my chest. Wow. And, and I did feel anxiety. There was one point, and I will never forget this moment because it really, really made me realize, you know, just how horrendous it must be for people who have like severe anxiety yes. and depression. Yeah. Because I was like sitting on my bed in my bedroom and my mobile phone was maybe like two arms lengths away. Yeah. And I started to feel really panicky. <clears throat> But I was so depressed and so, like, low mood, I guess is what they call it, and, like, feeling so worthless and listless that oh. I didn't really have the energy to reach for my phone. Oh. And I thought I was, like, having some kind of weird heart attack or something, oh like a heart gosh, failing. I know, something. Yes. I was like, something's happening to me. But I also then didn't have the energy to get my phone to call someone because wow. I was like, what's the point? It was oh, so weird. Gosh, yeah. And I was aware that it was happening in the moment, but in the moment it didn't feel unusual. No, it just yes. felt that's just the way it is, there's no point. Wow. Very, very strange. So I came off the hormone treatment. Yes. Um, I tried it for six months and then put me on another kind uh, for six months, but that didn't work either. It was just, my quality of life was just yeah. rubbish. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I went vegan. Yeah. I started serious meditation. Right. In fact, the day of my lumpectomy, um, I was in a, in a ward with another seven women and everyone else was older than me. You know, yeah. I was quite young at 30 to have yeah. the whole thing. Um, and all the women were there for lumpectomies. It was all right. breast cancer, like, yeah. you, know, you know, it was NHS stuff. Yeah. Get them all in on a day, do it yes. one by one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the mood wasn't great in the room, as you can imagine. I was actually the second to last person to be in theatre. So yeah. I was watching all these women go in and we weren't allowed to take our family or friends in with us so my my mum and dad were waiting outside which was I think like oh, that was that was even that was pre-covid yeah. oh wow <laughs> of course um yeah 2015 but I remember at the time I was listening to classical music and I had this little like pocket mindfulness book yes. so even though I don't remember when it happened I know that even as far back as that yes. moment of surgery yeah. I was like in a very calm place and at one point I was sitting on the bed of a lady who was having a bit of a like I don't know what it was a panic attack but she was getting very overwhelmed and a bit oh. nervous about the procedure and I just went and sat on her bed and I was oh. reading a quote from this mindfulness oh, book that's so but what was really interesting is that it was helping me yes as yeah. well as hopefully help yeah. I think it did help her and the yeah. other women as well they're all sort of listening in when they felt like it yeah um but when I was younger my great nana was in a nursing home and I used to go and see her with my mum and my nana yes. so like four generations of wow. women in the room yes. um, and I would take my little nurses <laughs> you know nurse bag and, I'd yeah. them, and I'd go and care for her and oh, all of her so friends lovely. so I feel like that was that's definitely a recurring yeah. theme in my life yes. and I'm a Virgo too and apparently we're supposed to be doing that yeah. <laughs> a carer oh. yes. um, yeah so I mean, look, that was challenging. I don't know why. I don't know why it happened. I don't know if it was the stress of essentially grieving my dead boyfriend on stage eight shows a week. Yes, yeah. Because your body doesn't know that you're acting. Different, yeah. The difference right. between yeah. yeah. So I don't know whether it was that. I don't know whether it was just as I say, cumulative um, uh, effect of being so like masculine driven, muscular, you know, yes. stressed out. Yes. For yeah. my, almost my entire twenties, just yes. striving. Yeah. For this thing, this unattainable thing, when it was right there under my nose the whole time. Wow. Um, I will say that I'm the happiest I've ever been right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, learning meditation was awesome because it got me to put the brakes on. Yeah. And it got me back in touch with my body. Yeah. And, you know, how health is completely, it's holistic. Right? Yes. So if you've got, like, a stressed state of mind, yeah. it does, I am convinced, manifest in Definitely. different parts of the body. Definitely. Um, and I think that's one of the things I, I try to talk to people about when people say, you know, I'm in a really bad place, I'm not feeling very happy oh, about yeah. things. Like the first thing I would say is I was exactly the same as you. And yeah. once once you can count all your blessings, you know, yeah. rather than all the things you don't have, yes. <clears throat> that's the beginning, I yeah. think, to, the, to happiness. That's yeah. the first step to happiness. Yeah, and that gratitude piece 
because um, you say and you've talked about meditation playing a key part when you've had like the challenging times and yeah. especially with the happiness that you're feeling now and that gratitude is there any other things that you either remember or if you can sense because I suppose there's always going to be challenging times that we all face yeah is there any other things other than meditation that you're drawn towards when you you know a challenging time's coming or that you know in the past over the last few years that you've implemented as well as the meditation or would you say you just get deeper into the meditation at those times? Um, <clears throat> funnily enough, it's, it's, it's almost, it's a huge challenge to get deeper into meditation when you know you're coming into something challenging. Yeah. If you don't have um, a daily practice before the challenging time occurs, yeah. and let's face it, nine times out of ten, the challenges come out of nowhere and it's like you wake yes. up one morning thinking everything's okay and then suddenly yeah. something horrendous happens. Yeah. Um, if you have a daily practice, it sort of like serves as um, sort of almost like ready-made stabilizers for when you are in the rocky time and you can sort of drop back into a practice, maybe not as regularly because it's much more difficult to find that stillness. Yeah. But it's something that you can fall back on. Yes. And what I found my practice really, really deepened in 2020 <clears throat> when I was in LA, my husband was away working, obviously we had COVID yes. and um, I was doing about an hour of meditation twice a day yeah. and I, I touched on a part of what I, what I, I can only describe it as the womb of the universe. I literally felt like I was completely here, and if someone had walked into the, into the door into the room and said, she want to need you right now, I'd have been like, fine, I'm here. I wasn't like in a sleep state, I was in a seated meditation, yeah. and it felt like I was being held by all, if love was tangible, yes. I could feel it supporting oh. my whole body. And it, and it was like this very, very, very slight, like, as I say, almost tangible energy. Yes, yeah. I felt like cocooned, and yet suspended in space. Yeah. And it was like, it was like being in contact with like the creator. Yes, yeah. It was the most incredible experience of my life. Yeah. And that happened and I can still remember that feeling now. So yes. when I'm sitting in meditation, I just have to, and the, the one thing you don't want to do in meditation is try and bring back an experience that you had previously. Yeah. But what it does is remind me of how magical this universe is and yes. our lives are yes. without having to sit for an hour. Yeah. So it's almost like a little takeaway. It's like yeah. when you get those little affirmation cards and it yes. makes you go, oh, actually, yeah. And you can feel your shoulders yeah. drop a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like yeah. a little reminder. Yeah. That's what it does for me. But yeah. it was that really, really, really dedicated practice in 2020 yeah. that, that has given me that sort of like fast track to yeah. remembering. Yes. And yeah. that's all it is really. I mean, I think on this, I'm speaking like in a very sort of, spiritual meditative kind of from a, from that kind of space right now yeah, but yeah. i think we're here on this earth um we've been here to experience what it feel what what it what it's like to be able to experience all the emotions sensations and like yes. to touch things to see things yes. and to dance and to you know to love in real life with our real bodies and yes. you know to experience what that feels like yeah but i think if you if you can remember what it's like to not be your body yes then it helps the journey on earth, yes. if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. So we all have it in us. If we get into a still enough space for long enough, you can remember or you can reconnect with what it feels like to be, to just be, and yes. to not be the physical meat suit that yeah. we're wrapped up in, yeah. in this life. Yeah. So, so I guess when you're talking about, like, what do I arm myself with in moments of, like, stress, anxiety, challenge... It's all about self-care. Yeah. For me, it's about getting really quiet. And sometimes it is the tangible as well as the non-tangible. It's yes. not just sitting in a quiet space with my eyes closed. It's about making a cup of like ceremonial cacao. <laughs> which we've got here, which is beautiful. Yeah. And like feeling the warmth of the mug and smelling yeah. the cacao and understanding that this has come from the, oil, from the soil, from the earth. Um, and this is like where we've come from too. Yeah. And we'll go back to. Yeah everything's that cycle and wrap in a nice warm blanket and take time for myself sometimes the act of making cacao can be as grounding and as sort of um uh like centering yeah. as anything else and my yeah. husband wants to go and climb a mountain 
like right. he, for him, oh, really? his moment of stillness, yes. like he can find that, like that sanctuary within him. It's where he's on top of a mountain. Wow. For me, I can be anywhere as yeah. long as I am consciously just thinking about me. Because yeah. a lot of times, I think it's what happens, especially with my mum. Yeah, you're thinking about everyone else yes. as well, right? So yeah. actually having the time to go, okay, this is for me. I'm taking a moment. Yeah. So so important. Definitely. And sometimes that it's just. It's like saying I'm not going to speak to that person today because they put me in a bad headspace. Yes. Yeah. A lot of what happened when I was healing from cancer is that I started checking in. Like I'd feel kind of like on edge about something, but I'd be I'd sort of suppress it, mm. and that was the story of my twenties actually, mm. suppressing, suppressing things rather it. than acknowledging. Yeah. And and I think acknowledging what those things are and what puts your body into that state of stress yes. however minor it might be because yeah. it literally could be a feeling of like oh god i just what's wrong with me i feel really odd right now yeah. you can sometimes trace your thoughts back and go oh i was thinking about that, that person yeah i was thinking yeah. about that conversation or i was thinking about that that i have to do tomorrow that i really don't want to do <laughs> so then you can go okay great that's amazing. If yeah. you can get to a point where you can trace it back yes. and find that little nugget of like complex sort of what's driving me crazy yeah. and sit down with it and pick it apart. Go, why yeah. is this annoying me? Yeah. Well, I'm really nervous about meeting this person tomorrow. Okay, why yeah. would you be nervous? What are you afraid of? Yeah. Actually, I'm afraid of being rubbish. I'm afraid <laughs> of okay, well, first of all, you're not rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. And give yourself an affirmation like I'm confident and strong and yeah. people really like me. Yeah. That's it. Say yeah. that a couple of times and then next time you think about that thought, it'll sometimes somehow feel easier yeah. yeah so it's like it's about learning those sorts of tools as well definitely i mean there are so many things i could talk for days <laughs> oh bless. i was going to say i think what you've touched on is so important and something that i think is is harder to do when you're younger and that's that self-awareness yeah. and that self-reflection yeah. and once you're aware of your thoughts your feelings and how those can impact your health and then reflecting on different situations and uh, again, making it okay to say no, and if 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 you're not wanting to do something, actually, if you feel you can do it and push through it, great. If it's if you know it's the right thing and it's just your thoughts that are trying to stop you, but ultimately at the same time, if something you know isn't right and it's not going to do you good, yeah. actually having that ability to say no. Because what would you say um, going on to if there was a young Siobhan in front of you mm. and whether or not that's in her teens or in her twenties when you, you had those challenging times, if there was something that you could have said to her from what you know now, that if she'd have even known that or even a tool or resource, whether or not it's meditation, that if she'd have kind of been aware, what would you have liked to have heard at that time? Breathe. <laughs> Good, brilliant one, brilliant one, brilliant one. And it's making me well up. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, it's uh, the, the most important thing, yet we all, I think, can forget. <laughs> I I mean, it literally, it. yeah, it literally you feels that. like, it was all, like, yeah. just trying, right. like, it was, I mean, my posture was probably like this, I was, like, oh. moving, you know, It's it was, it felt like a race. Yes. And yes. I think... And, and like this is honestly my biggest takeaway from my life has yeah. just been just let it happen <laughs> yes like there yeah. are it's almost like when you're playing tennis right yeah it's so much easier and you you expend so much less energy by just waiting for the ball and then staying exactly where you are and hitting it there's no yeah. point running towards the ball and trying to like that's just why would you expend yeah. that much energy when you don't need yeah. to the ball is traveling towards you just yeah. wait for it to get to you before you hit it it's kind of like that is like my feeling of my life is that all these balls are flying everywhere and yeah. I'm running towards all of them and if I just stood on what do you call the back line in the tennis? Baseline. The baseline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. I'm I don't play tennis. No, <laughs> but if you someone just, will correct you, yeah. I'm sure. Please let us know. Yeah. I think um, it's baseline. <laughs> but if you, you know, sort of like, take a moment, think about it, position yeah. yourself. Do I want to hit the ball? Do I not want to hit the ball? Okay, yeah. then move accordingly. Don't yeah. like run towards all of them trying to whack them all over the net yes. before they've even gotten to you. Yeah. That sort of feels like, it's such a strange analogy, but that's sort of the no, first thing that came great. to my mind. It's yeah. just like, be sensible and grounded. Like yeah. stay where you are, plant your feet, and, and you make sound, more sound decisions when you're relaxed and you're breathing 
properly. Yes. And ultimately, you know, our bodies are machines. We are so intertwined with the mind, the spirit, like yeah. even, I mean, I've been having a conversation about our gut, about oh, how yes. what we eat affects yeah. our our brain right. definitely definitely you know the microbiome and all that yes stuff. yeah um stop eating sugar yeah. <laughs> so that's sunscreen thing isn't yeah. it wear sunscreen <laughs> and stop eating sugar um that's a new song <laughs> sense it sense it yeah oh god um yeah but that's um that's it it's about right. it's about being grounded about breathing and about um and about trusting yourself as well and the thing is when you're still your intuition is a lot more vocal I guess yeah and you know you can hear what your soul really wants you to do in those quiet moments definitely definitely so yeah we need to we need to remember that the breath is what inspires the body god I've just got a flashback my old acting teacher that used to say to inspire you know to like to perspire but to to breathe in is to inspire I thought it was actually I don't know, it's just a really interesting yeah. play on words. He, he, it was way more intric- intricate than that, but it was a long time ago. In fact, yeah. in fact, it was 2006 when he told us that. Wow. But anyway. Oh no, but that's wonderful. And what I suppose a great way to end with regards to that, that feeling of, okay, if you kind of can introduce just being grounded, focus on your breath, mm. be still. Because I think, as you said as well, I think... A lot of us can. You can be told about. You need to exercise. You need to. You need to eat well. You need to do this. You need to not eat sugar. But so many people don't realise the importance of the stillness and being still and at peace. Um, so all I can say is that I, I, I really appreciate you being so open and honest. And Always. I know that anybody listening to this will hopefully be able to take so much away with regards to thinking good doing good to ultimately feel good because that's what we all want to do and mm. um, so thank you so much for being here thank so you welcome. so much for your time i know i always go over on these these chats so so but yeah thank you and we'll so do much. a meditation definitely so we can tag it definitely we'll do that so yeah. just for those listening um with siobhan's kindly said that she's actually going to do one of the meditations that we'll put on the wellgood.life website and we'll also kind of feature on a podcast and put it out through microbrewery radio as well. So um, yes, we look forward to that. So take care and all the best uh, for the rest of the year. Thank you, you too. Take care. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks.